before we look into the scriptures. Father, we thank you for who you are, for what you mean to us, for what you've allowed us to enter into as oneness with you, oneness with Christ. And Lord, we probably don't understand even a thimbleful of what that means, but we just rejoice in what we can understand. And we look forward to the day when we will understand so much more and know you so much better and rejoice even so much greater in, in such a greater way. Pray for your help through this, these uh, scriptures that we're going to look into. May they, excuse me, may they <clears throat> increase our faith and our joy and our understanding of you. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> now, <clears throat> John, could you give me a drink, a uh, glass of water? <clears throat> We've, uh, maybe I'll wait for the water. Now, recently, we've entered into our season of thankfulness to God. You know, a few weeks ago, in our sermon time, we saw a woman, very broken, very sorrowful, come to Jesus as he was invited to dinner at a Pharisee's house. And she was so overflowing with gratitude, thankfulness, repentance, sorrow, all in one because she was sorrowful for her sinful life. But she knew that Jesus was the answer. And she knew that he was the way to God and God gave forgiveness. So she was so, so joyful and sorrowful at the same time <clears throat> that she came to Jesus and she was weeping uncontrollably. Her tears were wetting his feet. She dried his feet with her hair. She kissed his feet and then anointed his feet with perfume. And, you know, it was, it, as we understand it, it was such a um, sacred moment of love from a woman who had been forgiven to, to her Savior. But as a Pharisee was sitting there, he thought it was pretty disgusting. He said, this man can't be a prophet. If he was, he would know that this is a sinful woman, and he would not allow her to touch him. And so this Pharisee, his holiness was, keep away from people that were less than me. But Jesus told the woman, your faith has saved you. Then we saw ten lepers yelling out to Jesus, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And you know, lepers, they had to live in colonies, they had to be away from family, society, they were just outcasts. In every sense of the word, they were just total outcasts. And they yell at Jesus from a distance. 
And he says, go show yourself to the priests. Now, you only did that if you were a leper, well, and if you had any contagious disease, you would, the priest would be the one who would allow you back into society. It was his, his um, you know, noticing if your disease had healed. He was the um, one who would allow you back in. So as they're going, you know, when they start off, they're still leprous, and they start off, and then all of a sudden, they find out they're healed. They realize they're healed. And they keep going to the, the priest, but one goes back. He cannot not go back. And he goes, and he's overflowing with thankfulness, like the lady in a sense. <clears throat> overflowing with gratitude. And he's at Jesus' feet, and he's just thanking him over and over and giving praise to God. And Jesus looks at him, and he says, probably to his disciples, he says, weren't ten healed? Where are the other nine? And this one isn't even a Jew. And he tells him, go, your faith has healed you. You have been made whole. So we, we see the extreme importance of being thankful. How much it, it gives back to us. But how much it changes our hearts. This morning we're going to look into a, or take a different turn in this area of thankfulness. But this passage is going to be a bit darker than the last two. It will tell us how extremely important it is to have a thankful heart. But it, it will come at it from a different direction. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 1 this morning, beginning with verse 18. And up to now, we've been talking about the mercy and grace of God as it helps hurting, needy people. Now we're going to start out with something quite different as we think about thankfulness. Look with me at Romans chapter 1 and verses 18 through 20. <clears throat> it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen... He says they're invisible, but he says they've been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So we're seeing evidence of his eternal power and divine nature by what we look out and see outside of us. From what has been made so that people are without excuse. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Paul is saying that God's judgment, his wrath, his judgment upon wickedness and sinfulness is being revealed from heaven on people who purposely suppress the truth of God, who work at hiding the truth from people of God. By their wickedness. Now the wrath or judgment of God 
is often talked about in the Bible <clears throat> concerning the end times. And that might be what we're most used to, is the wrath of God coming down upon people in the end times, right before Christ sets up his kingdom. But Paul is saying that God's wrath is being revealed in his day. The wrath of God is coming down from heaven, is being revealed from heaven. And so that would include also this whole time period from Christ to his second coming. That would be our day also. We aren't talking about the end time wrath where God comes and defeats his enemies. We're talking about the wrath of God coming in our day. And it's a judgment of God on people who suppress the truth. People who want to keep the truth from others. People who deny the truth and don't want others to believe in it by their wickedness. These people know what they are doing, and they are doing it out of evil motives. They are doing it for selfish or wicked reasons. Oftentimes it's to control others or to gain power. And we see that going on all around the world. And what he's talking about is people denying the existence of God, or at least the God of the Bible. <clears throat> and he says, they are without excuse because what may be known about God is plain to them. He has made it plain to them. And again in verse 20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly evidenced, clearly seen because of what we see all around us. We can just look out and we can see complete evidence. We can see overwhelming evidence of God's eternal power and his divine nature. We see the visible effects of God's invisible qualities. We look at our world and all of its grandeur. And we see all the beauty. We see the syncopation, how everything works together. <clears throat> we see that we are sustained by this earth and the universe. And so we see God's eternal power and divine nature. And Paul says, we have no excuse for denying the existence of God. The evidence is overwhelming and undeniable. Now look what David says back in Psalm 19. <clears throat> he says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. I always think of this verse, and I've mentioned it before, when um, one famous atheist said if he would stand before God, he would ask him, how come you worked so hard to hide yourself from everybody? Here's the answer. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, actually, like we think of it. They have no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Why did you work so hard to hide yourself? Paul says, those who deny God's existence have no excuse Totally inarguable. And then his explanation. 
It's not moving. What's that? Okay, thank you. For although they knew, they have no excuse, for although they knew God, they neither, neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. That's important. They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. <clears throat> Even though, Paul says, they knew there had to be an all-powerful, totally divine God who created this unbelievable universe, they refused to ascribe honor to him or give thanks to him. And that's for selfish reasons. And in their stubborn denial of the obvious truth, and in their prideful refusal, refusal to offer thanksgiving, it says their thinking, their reasoning became empty or worthless, futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened. So they traveled into futility and darkness. You see, when we shut our eyes to the truth and <clears throat> we enter into just the area of foolishness because we're leaving the realm of truth and we see that all around us. We see people denying the truth and they enter into just absolute foolishness, futility and darkness. And in verses 22 and 23, again, although they claim to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. <clears throat> so they leave the eternal creator and they go to images of animals. You have this eternal, all-powerful, completely good, loving Father in heaven who reigns over the universe and you see at the beginning when God created Adam and Eve and you know the garden and everything, everybody knew God, but slowly man turned away. Today, even today, we see evidence of him everywhere you look. Your life, your existence, your whole being, everything comes from him. We would just disintegrate if it wasn't for God. How does humanity react to this all-powerful, all-loving God. Humanity says, I'm not going to bow my knee to some supposed God up in the sky. I'm not going to humble myself to some heavenly being that I can't see. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go way beyond that. I'll worship things like this. And that's what they do. All these things are things that people around the world worship today. And I just picked five out of probably almost an endless number of things that people worship. And different countries have different things that they worship. And so they walk away from God and says, claiming to be wise, 
Well, then they go and worship bugs, monkeys. <laughs> so mankind has a better idea than to humble ourselves and give glory to God and be thankful to him because of his eternal power and divine nature that we have clearly witnessed and being understood from what has been created. And here is God's response. Verses 24 and 25. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. God gave them over. That's an important phrase. Therefore, God gave them over. They exchanged, the they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. <clears throat> now you see, this is the wrath of God being revealed from heaven. And the wrath of God being revealed is God giving them over to their sinfulness. They're saying they don't want to worship the God of, of heaven. They want to do their own thing because of their wickedness. And so the judgment from God for that is just to let them go into their sinfulness and pay the consequences. The wrath of God being revealed from heaven at this time is God giving them over, people over to their sinful desires. Sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies. Exchanging the truth about God for a lie. Choosing to worship and serve created things, inanimate objects made out of wood, stone, rather than the all-powerful, eternal, loving Heavenly Father who furnished the wood and stone. You know, <clears throat> the current wrath of God being revealed from heaven is God giving them over to their own sinful, rebellious, selfish desires. And that shows us that God does not force people to worship him, does he? It's called the free will of man. Some people, don't, some people deny that man has a free will. I think it's undeniable. Now, remember what we read in verse 21. For although they knew God... They neither glorified him as God nor give, gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and is full of emptiness, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So what we're seeing is the repercussions of refusing to give thanks and honor to God. And that's basically what it is in this passage. Mankind is refusing to give thanks and honor to God. They suppressed the truth and God gave them over to their selfish desires. So, how important is it for us to be thankful people? Because that's what led the, the world down the wrong pathway. They weren't thankful and they didn't give him honor. How important is it for us as followers of Christ to be thankful people? Thankfulness brightens the whole picture. But what we are seeing is people refusing to give thanks. And as we continue, it's just going to get worse. Look with me at verses 26 and 27. <clears throat> because of this, 
God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what, not, what ought not to be done. <clears throat> you know, the book of Genesis describes God's creation of our world. It describes how he separated the, the earth from the sky, and, you know, it talks about in kind of ways of separation and filling. Just, that's just the way that it was expressed <clears throat> kind of in a poetic way. But it talks about the earth, the sky, and all of its beauty, the trees, the mountains, the plains, the rivers, the animals, plush, beautiful, teeming with life, just four rivers running through the garden. Um, you couldn't ask for anything more. Then God gathered his divine counsel and said, let us make man in our image to rule over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. So mankind or humanity was created in the image of God to rule over his earth. God is the absolute ruler. Mankind has been assigned to the earth. And we're here in God's stead, in a sense. We're representatives of God. So we are to rule under God, his creation. And it says <clears throat> in the Bible that he created mankind in his image, male and female, he created them. And that's how God designed it. That's how God designed humanity, male and female. And humanity was to take care of God's creation. And humanity was to reproduce and fill the earth and rule over it and care for God's creation as representatives of God made in his image. The image of God is in humanity as humanity is supposed to be working for God over his creation. And it's, it, we, we do so as male and female. But in these last verses, it says mankind suppressed the truth, did not glorify God, and refused to give him thanks. Which led them down the pathway of futility and darkness. They went into full-fledged idolatry, into degrading their bodies and exchanging natural sexual relations for unnatural ones, disregarding God's creation of humanity as male and female. And now as humanity has turned away from God, suppressing the truth, refusing to give him honor, refusing to be thankful, look where it leads in verses 28 to 32, our last verses. <clears throat> Oops. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. 
They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, faithfulness, no love, no mercy. <clears throat> Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. They encourage others to do it. And so here's the, here's the lesson, the story. Once we ignore God and turn away from him, turn away from his ways, turn away from his commands, the way he's, he's created things, we enter into a downward spiral. And then sin and selfishness leads to more sin and selfishness. And many things that we see today and have been going on for the history of mankind, they can be pretty horrific, can't they? But it's a downward spiral that begins with the choice to leave God out of the picture. And when we leave God out of the picture, we replace him with ourselves, with humanity, and things fall apart. We enter into futility and darkness. Now I'm gonna read you a poem, it's actually a song, I think most of you have heard. <clears throat> and it, it has become a song that people are saying today, this ought to be our nation's song. You know, replacing the Star-Spangled Banner. And it, it's like this. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. Imagine, for the, imagine all the people living just for today. Imagine there are no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for, and no religion, too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us, and the world will be as one. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. <clears throat> I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. And really what he's saying there, of course that's, that was one of the former Beatles. He was saying that the belief in God and heaven and sin and hell and religion and countries, they're all elements of strife among humanity. The cause of wars or the downfall of society. And so he's saying we got to get rid of all these things and we will have a peaceful life. And you see, that's what people outside who don't follow God, they think the answers are within us. And they're not owning up to the fact that the answers were there and within us, we took it to the wrong place. We caused all the trouble by selfishness and sin and, pa and power grabbing and that sort of thing. And God gave us the right way to do it. But we left him. We refused to thank him and we refused to honor him for who he is. And like I said, some prominent people today are saying that should be our national anthem. But he has it completely backwards. 
When mankind or some society or nation or even a family or individual starts pushing God out of the picture, they start replacing God with exalted humanity. A humanity that doesn't look to God in thankfulness or giving him his glory. And then the people who walk away, they end up wanting to take control of others. And it all begins with refusing to give God glory and to thank him and to suppressing the truth. So really, <clears throat> at this time in our nation, at this time in our world, at this time in history, it can all begin with us, can't it? It can all be helped by us because we're the ones who look up to God, who recognize his glory, who give him thanks, and if we do that and we spread that, it can help. And we need to be people whose hearts are filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. You know, <clears throat> right now in our nation, many are promoting very strongly victimhood and discontent. And they do that to gain control. And we're being told that we're being you are being cheated. Now, of course, we know that not everything is right or good in our society. But really what we need to do, instead of just pointing our fingers at others and trying to get something from somebody else, we need to exalt God and be thankful to him. He has given us life, salvation, and the church. And we have the promise of eternal life in Jesus Christ. So our job really is just to place God on the throne, become people whose hearts are filled with thanksgiving. And really, that's the way that we can help this problem that we're facing. And spreading it to others, helping others turn to God and giving him thanks and glory for who he is. Turning to God in a humble, with humble gratitude and sincere obedience. Acknowledging God for who he is in truth, facing the facts, not living in denial. And you know, here's another important point about thanksgiving, thankfulness. Who would you rather be around? People who constantly claim that life is unfair. Who never seem to be thankful for what they've been given. And it doesn't matter what their uh, position is. It doesn't matter how much they have. They just have that unthankful heart. Who could not see the good in anything but always, you know, camp out in the bad. Or would you rather be around someone who's thankful for even little? Someone who's positive with their, their hope anchored in God, his goodness, his promises. Because we possess the promises of the eternal God who is preparing an eternal home for us. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And thankfulness to our creator is a major part of that. And we can be that salt and light if we are expressing thankfulness, if we live in thankfulness. 
So let us be those who praise God for his eternal power and divine nature, which we see all around us. And through our thankfulness, encourage others to follow Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the messages in your word, how life-giving they are, how truthful they are, how they cut through all the darkness, all the futility, and give us the truth, something we can live by, something we can attach ourselves to and benefit by, even though it goes against a lot of what people think, even though it might be countercultural. Lord, we do pray that you would help us be those who can spread that message and be salt and light. And then, Lord, we pray for our community. We pray for being able to share the message with others. We pray for our nation. We pray that, Lord, you would um, help good people be, uh, be elected and help good people take uh, roles of leadership. So people that honor you so that we could see truth and justice and love and mercy. Thank you for what you teach us in your word and how you've given us such a precious possession. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.